got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause winning's expensive. I got expensive, cause winning's expensive. I've been reading all the work. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah. Cause when it rains, then it pours. Yeah. And I'm ready for some more. Yeah. And I've been reading all the work. Welcome to this episode of Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Sells a Show for Closers. We have a great episode today. We're going to talk about buying technology, about how you should buy technology, what questions to ask, what to look for. There's a lot of technology providers out there. Um, and then, again, there's a lot of uses for that technology and making sure that you maximize the use out of that. And that's part of the buying process as well for any LSP or 3PL, freight brokers, however you'd like to, to, to use that acronym. Um, out there, there's a lot of choices, but it's it's about buying the right thing that, that fits within your organization, but also using it to the maximal benefit. Because if you don't do that, then... Uh, the sell is off or not. And to discuss that today from Four Kites, I have Glenn Kepke. He is the VP of Network Collaboration. Welcome to the show, Glenn. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. It's good to good to hear your voice and, here. and see you again. Same here. It's, uh, it's always great to talk to you. You've been on the show a couple of times. Uh, this time it's going to be a little bit different because we're just going to have a nice, relaxed conversation about buying technology, things that LSPs, which is logistics service providers, should know and, and should ask during their due diligence process uh, whenever they are shopping around, whenever they're then buying process. But first of all, network collaboration, what does that entail? It's a great question. So I've been at Forkites for going on four years now. And prior to Four Kites, I spent 18 years in the TMS industry. So working for a division of C.H. Robinson, supporting large, complex shippers. Uh, spent four years overseas in Europe and traveled the world helping shippers uh, really select a TMS and deploy it and help optimize and you know drive return on investment. And so uh, with that, learned a lot about the buying process uh, as well as collaboration. So I think I've been to... 43 countries is my latest tally, uh, helping companies of all shapes, sizes, and verticals uh, to network together and figure out what they're doing. So, you know, to answer your question on network collaboration, I spent a lot of my time linking shippers and LSPs and 3PLs together to understand how technology and visibility can change the way they operate. So there's a couple different products that fall in that category within Forkites. Uh, one of the examples is prepaid visibility. So if you think of a, a retailer as an example, uh, they may buy freight from a manufacturer. That manufacturer owns the freight terms, and they're going to use a 3PL or some sort of uh, logistics provider to help deliver it. Could be a common carrier, could be a consolidator, uh, could be traditional 3PL outsource, you name it. And so I spend most of my days helping those companies understand that technology can support them and remove this idea of phone calls and emails in text messages to track what's going on. And so it's been an exciting journey uh, over the last Sounds few years. Exciting. It's uh, 18 years uh, doing, doing TMS sales and then a, a bit in Europe. So you've worked for both shippers and for the tech providers. Do I have that accurate? So I've always been on either service provider or tech side. I've always sold into shippers. Uh, at Forkites, I help sell into uh, logistics service providers and also help operationalize it. So my background has been 
uh, really all across the board. With the centerpiece, I'd say, is a strong background in figuring out, you know, what problem are you trying to solve? How do you best go about do it, doing it? What else is out there, right? Not always is there one solution that's out there. And then getting people rallied around what that mantra is or that rallying cry to go solve the issue or help accelerate your, your strategy. And so my background has been in operations and implementation, leadership, commercial side, solution design side, uh, and industry roles as well. So I've prided myself on being a re- renaissance guy uh, in supply chain and logistics. I like that. Globally. Renaissance man. I, I think uh, everyone should strive to, 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 to be like that, to, to be in re- renaissance. No, uh, no several different topics. Yeah. Yes, so absolutely. You, you said a couple of things in there that I'd like to unpack because they were interesting, right? And first of all is, is what problem are we trying to solve? Which is sounds like a really simple question, but oftentimes it's not. The second part of that, or the second question I should say, because it's not part of that per se, is getting everybody on board to go out and, and make a decision. So let's start with number one is what problem are we trying to solve? which oftentimes means we need this tech piece, but really it means something deeper than that, right? It means something that is is more core to the business, um, more core to the customer even, you know? And it's, it's not a, a simple, it's a very simple question with a very complex answer that you need to unpack. Um, so let's unpack it right now, Glenn. Absolutely. So, you know, I think it's, there's a couple different hats one can wear here. So if I, I first put on my LSP hat or logistics service provider hat, uh, if, if I'm looking at technology, it's who's my customer? And the answer is there's multiple customers. I've got uh, usually a shipper at some point. I've got a receiver. I've got my inside sales team. I've got my operations team, my technology team. So when I think of, you know, if, if I'm in an LSP org or a 3PL org, there are different customers that you have to satisfy. And so I think the the most important thing to understand is, you know, when you're looking at whether it's technology or services or even optimization projects and improvement projects, who's the customer, number one. Two, if there's multiple customers, which likely is the case, what's the priority? And then what are the different challenges each one of them have? So if I were to compare an LSP buyer versus a shipper buyer in our world, what we see is that the solution tends to be very enterprise-wide with multiple industries, uh, multiple size customers, right? It's the micro customer, the small customer, the mega customer. Where in the shipper world, you will have some different customers in there. You know, usually it's road freight versus ocean. Maybe you have a sense of e-commerce, but you don't get the spectrum of the LSP type customers where they're serving the mega to the micro and everything in between. And so, you know, from from my view is when I put that LSP hat on is you've got to understand who the customers are, number one. Two, what's the strategy? I think the the inherent growth of 3PLs and LSP has been awesome, but many companies have to take a pause and figure out what is your strategy? What's your differentiation? I think all too often I was talking with a company last week, and it's the same adage of, you know, my di- I differentiate on on service. I'm a value added service provider. I don't differentiate on price, and I have heard that thousands of times in my life. And when I listen to transportation providers say that, 
it is the exact same as the you know brother or sister down the street. And so I think really figuring out kind of what your core market is, what's your strategy, what are, what are your priorities, and then coupling that with your customer base. And so if you can understand those things fundamentally, it helps shape what the next steps are in that process. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, we, we don't... We, we differentiate ourselves based on our service, right? And, and the next freight broker LSP is going to come in and say the same thing. They're a large LSP, like a, a C.H. Robinson, right? They're going to say, well, we're, we have the scale to purchase transportation. And, you know, the second largest uh, freight brokerage or LSP is going to come in with the same exact. And the third largest and the fourth largest, if you're a small, you know, maybe doing 20 or 30 million, um, well, we're a small business we are going to focus in on you. You you won't be a number as a client. You'll be core. And the next 20 or $30 million freight brokerage comes in and says the exact same thing, right? So you're not really differentiating yourself by just saying service. You have to define service. Um, going back to, you know, what, what's the problem you're going to solve? You, you hit upon it right there. Um, and is it, is it a technical problem? Is it a, I won't say a philosophical problem, but, you know, you're in the business, you, okay, let's just take four kites, right? Four kites selling visibility, right? Well, what does that visibility mean? What, do, what are you, what was the LSP selling their customers, right? It's, it's security, it is um, orders fulfilled, it's customer service on their end, right? And, and thinking, what's your problem? Is that your problem or is it just my customers are asking for visibility. No, it's, it's, it's those security, it's, it's those differentiation points that maybe you can point to on, on your services. Yeah. It's, it, you know, for us in Forkites, I would say that, you know, number one is it's the physical side of the supply chain, right? Like where is your actual stuff right now? I think oftentimes there's, when I think of visibility, at least in the freight side, especially with Forkites in, in we're most known for shipment visibility. We do have some other products and things that we're in. But when I think of the old adage of like, where's my truck, right? Where's my truck? Where's my container? And so on. There's two things that people want to know. And it doesn't matter if you're an LSP, if you're a shipper, if, or if you're a receiver. Number one is where are my goods at right now, right? I just want to know because I don't really trust other people, mm -hmm. candidly. I just want to know on a map, where are my goods right now? Second is when's it going to be here, right? What's the ETA? And so like, if you were to kind of boil it down to like what the brass tax is, those are two things that I think all, all kind of basic users are trying to solve. From an LSP standpoint though, um, I think it's the, the problem really hasn't changed. I mean, I think back 15 years ago, well before Forkites existed and other competitors existed. And I, I do remember having a debate of like, visibility is a part of what carriers and 3PLs are selling, right? You listen to any presentation, you know, we're going to deliver 99% on time. Here's my customer references. So why do I even need visibility, right? I think the old school mentality, uh, it exists a little bit now, uh, a lot more two or three years ago, a lot 10 years ago. But, you know, my, my mentality 15 years ago was you don't need technology like this if everyone did what they said they would do. And I think, that is an inherent challenge we have of we in the freight world like to sell a PowerPoint presentation versus selling customer use cases where you roll up your sleeves and you're going into a transportation team or a warehousing team to really see the, the physical side of the impact. But 
you know, on the, the forecast side, like, Hey, what are we doing? I think number one is it's physical improvement. Where's my stuff right now? What's the ETA, the digital side, it's how do I automate a lot of my workflow? So one of the examples I've given throughout my career is no one wants to track a hundred percent of their stuff, right? Like you don't want to go physically check. You have a hundred shipments today. You don't physically want to go check a hundred of those. All you want to know is when I have a problem, why did it happen? What can I do about it? And if that only happens 3% of the time, just tell me for those 3%, right? Don't send me notices and all this noise. You know, a good example is I'm getting some stuff from my garage delivered today and I'm getting, you know, 12 emails because it's 12 different shipments constantly. And I don't personally care if it shows up today. I just want to know if it's not Mm -hmm. going to show up today, right? And those are things that I think those in the LSP world, especially if you're going to drown out uh, people with so much white noise at the planner level or the carrier sales level, there's such hard productivity numbers that people want automation. They want efficiency. They don't necessarily just want information because that'll actually slow them down. So it's this really fine line about how do you find the needle in the haystack before someone knows about it? And how do you get it to the right person? Whether it's the LSB, the shipper, the receiver, the underlying carrier. And that's the game that Forkites is in every single day with our product and our If you had to take a guess, how many uh, freight brokerages are there out there uh, percentage-wise that are still, uh, they don't have any visibility tools except for tracing, track and trace people or, you know, making your calls. Uh, 10 years ago in brokerage, I came in every day and, and called 10 different trucks to, to see where they are. I got nine voicemails. And um, and so it went for, for the rest of the day of playing phone tag and trying to, uh, to get updates out. Um, what percentage of freight brokerages out there? I know the top 100 aren't uh, involved in that, but you know the, the smaller, small to medium-sized brokerages doing doing that 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 right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say really? a majority. It's it's 90 plus percent, and part of it is the it, trying to buy technology as a small company is not easy, right? There's a, a lot of times a minimum threshold that companies need. And so you also have to think of, you know, what customer base is this, are, are those 3PLs or freight brokers serving, right? If you exclude the top 100, you know, a lot of the other folks, they may not necessarily be in a very time intensive environment, right? I think there's a lot of companies where they look at it and they say, you know, my customer only cares about if I hit a day window or plus mm-hmm. minus one or two days. And as long as I get there, it's fine. It's a low margin business. And that's completely okay. But then you also have companies that are spending millions in fines because of retailers or automotive OEM companies and so on. But yeah, I would say when you look at the, the freight brokers that are out there, there is still a lot of pen, paper, phone, and text. And there's technology that was around many, many years ago that kind of got banned by the, the federal government and the telecom companies that but there's new startups. Like I think of a company like TextLocate and others that are trying to get back to the original SMS type of messaging. So, you know, the that opportunity still exists. I think from a tech vendor standpoint, even a service vendor, it's it's hard to scale a business in the small to micro segment for freight brokers, right? And you think of Forkites or other companies, tech companies, we tend to go mm-hmm. up market. Um, and go after you know hundreds of customers instead of hundreds of thousands of customers. And so that is something that is still an opportunity that's out there. 
And it, I think it's going to exist for decades. It, it is so inherently fragmented in the U.S. marketplace with the number of, of asset carriers, but also the number of freight brokers that this digital pure world is it's tough for the small company. It is. Right I, I do agree with that because I, I've sold to uh, freight brokerages, large and small, and it is tough to, to roll up the, the, the small brokerages. I, I think um, I, it's fragmented and it's fragmented for a reason because they are serving customers in a very fragmented economy that is, is small business oriented. There's a lot of different products, a lot of different niches out there. Uh, to, to be serviced and it's hard to standardize. I, I, you take, because I, I did flatbed, almost all flatbed. Flatbed, it ranges so greatly just within that world, you know, from oil field or construction sites where visibility is key to, um, to just say, you know, fencing that could, could show up anytime, right? And and the, the, the needs of, of all these different businesses throughout you know, the U.S. and really throughout the world uh, in, in the U.S. economy makes it hard to, you know, take it, take 20, $30 million gross revenue brokerages and say, this is how they operate because they're all going to operate in, in much different ways. Some of that is, is ownership, right? Some of it's family businesses, which really don't, don't need the growth. Uh, other of them are fast-moving startups that are wanting to hit that hundred million mark, and some of them, you know, are, are neither. And it's 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 very hard to standardize that. So it is fragmented, and I I know that pain. It is, and I think I mean when I if we shift gears, kind of the top one hundred. When I think of you know those companies, kind of two things: one on visibility, and one mm-hmm. on just strategy. Uh, on the visibility side, many of those companies rely on multiple visibility providers, right? And I think there's this uh, morphing of the top 100. They, they've got the budget and the tech stack to build their own, right? So typically, you're going to see a mobile, their own mobile app. Uh, you're going to see a direct ELD or GPS integration with some of the major players uh, that, that are out there. And then you're going to see potentially one, two, three, four visibility companies as well. And, you know, I think some of that is just the nature. When you think of like the U.S. trucking landscape, more on the van side and reefer than flatbed and um, in bulk. But on that side, I mean, 80% of the companies are less than 20 trucks, right? And because of that mass fragmentation, you know, these many LSPs have had to go to the Swiss Army knife approach to try and... Uh, address their customer needs. And I think we're going to see that remain. I think the the underlying challenge for the driver is, hey, do I really want 20 different apps on my, my smartphone? Uh, but those are things that are, you know, will continue to evolve, but it is a real world challenge. It for is a real world today. challenge. And that is going to continue because we did some research here at FreightWaves. Oh my gosh, it's been two or three years ago now. Um, on the top, we, we took the Fortune 1000 list broke that into to companies that are shippers and calculated freight spend and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, if, if you take the, I think it was the, the top 1,000, uh, Fortune 1,000 companies who ship goods, they, they account for, I, I, can't, I can't remember the exact number, but I think it was around the, the, the 30% or maybe a third of all freight that moves, maybe a little bit higher than that. And if you think about that, this very concentrated group, kind of like that top one, Top 100 carriers and brokers, and you know it's it's really concentrated in 
retail, food production, uh, people delivering to Walmart, people delivering to Target, people uh, delivering to Kroger, right? That, that kind of dominates the, the freight landscape. And that's something that's you can have uniformity in customer demands and customer service levels in in that world, which is serviced mostly by the, the top 100 in, in bulk. Once you get out of there, it's it's the wild, wild west. Yeah. But even, I mean, I'll say, so one of the things I do in network collaboration, like starting at the retailer aspect, if you think of like the the physical, you know, tiers of vendors. So if you take a retailer, right, you, you and I walk into a grocery store and we're buying, you know, a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi product. And, you know, what are the components that go into that, right? You've got mm-hmm. syrup, you've got water, you've got packaging material, and then you get in the packaging material, right? You've got paper, you've got PET, and then all of a sudden you kind of move from this retailer aspect into the distributor aspect first, right? Because you're going to have beverage distributors. Then you're going back into the, the suppliers. Those packaging suppliers or those component suppliers are they going to have upstream. Then you get into the you know the likes of the Exxon Mobiles and the Dow's of the world. And all of a sudden you're in this you know, bulk environment. And so what's interesting is even if you look at like the Fortune 250 supply chain is you're going to have these megas that play... But as you go further upstream in the supply chain, all of a sudden you get into this mass fragmentation of bulk, flatbed and open deck freight becomes very specialized. So it's one of those things that I always try and spend time helping educate people on the market and the the demographic of trucking uh, in the U.S. And, you know, Steve Rates at C.H. Robinson does a phenomenal job of this as well because it helps. There's a lot of similarities with Europe as well. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily have the historical borders and local haulage versus um, cross-continent haulage challenges that that Europe has. But there's a lot of dynamics that lead to why tech is trying to come in, why services are there, and why companies need um, different solutions that are that are out there. So it's uh, it's definitely a fascinating scenario. Um, the second thing I want to call out for LSPs is because one of the things I see a lot at Forkites is sales pitches from LSP providers to their shippers or other customers that they have. And one of the things I challenge companies to do is take your presentation, take all your logos off of it, you know, go do some market research on other companies in your, in your area and figure out if you can put the right logo on the right presentation. And one of the things that I've seen coming from a TMS and kind of historically shipper background is it's a lot of the same stuff, yeah. right? Digital freight matching. We're a value-added service provider. You know, maybe I have a spot bid rate engine API now. We've got all this fancy tech. And it's interesting because when you're in that lens selling, you think you're really special. But when you're the audience hearing this and you look at it, you're like, gosh, this is the same thing over and over. And one of the things that I've always done with buyers, uh, especially on the shipper side, is it is tough to buy, right? Because every company kind of looks the same. All of a sudden you put up a customer reference list, everyone lists the same customer, right? So it's like, well, wait a minute, how can these three other vendors Mm -hmm. say the same thing? And I think having a a strong relationship where between, you know, shipper and LSP or LSP and tech vendor, all three is you've got to get down to the brass tacks of, you know, why are you different? What is your value prop? Ultimately, does your competition care in the eyes of an LSP? Kind of, but it shouldn't. It's really what can you do for the customer? 
what can you do to maximize their ROI and continue to accelerate their supply chain? So I think if there's one recommendation I have for those in the freight world is have this as a fun challenge or a fun game in your team, but strip your standard sales deck or your marketing pitch deck, find one or two others and see if you can match it. And there's a lot of vanilla from one one company to the other. And you really have to tailor that and figure out your market, why customers you buy. You too. You have to figure out why customers buy. And you're exactly right. If you take these these uh, pitches and decks or cold call scripts or intros, you're going to find that it's all kind of the same. It's so hard to differentiate yourself uh, in the LSP world that uh, a lot of people just haven't been able to, to do it. And it's very understandable because there's just not a lot of wiggle room. I mean, how do you do that? And something I was struggle. I, I think I always struggled with it. I did always struggle with it. I, I'll put it that way. Whenever I was selling shippers as a, a freight broker is how do I differentiate myself? How do I do it? I, I can maybe prove it on the back end, but I'm never going to get to the back end or the real world examples of day-to-day operations if I don't do it in the first 10 seconds of a phone call. And it was challenging. And there's, you know, there's a reason why as a freight broker is one of the the, the biggest you know, the, 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 it was the, the toughest job I've probably ever had in, in sales, you know, because a lot of other industries are pretty differentiated, right? You can at least have talking points, things that, that your competitors don't do. Um, and and if they do do it, it's going to be a very hard move, right, for them. And another industry that is very hard to shop for on the tech side, you have a big background in this as well, are TMSs. Because TMS is, they they become so complicated and so vital, right? Because it's a central nerve of an organization that the risks of getting it wrong totally outweigh almost all the value in in moving forward in a lot of ways. And to be able to differentiate what TMS is right for me, because from the outside view, they all it's hard to judge. I won't say they all look the same, but it's hard to judge because I get this question at least a couple times a month from, from viewers and listeners. Hey, we're, we're looking at TMSs. What would you recommend? I'm like, I've only used two. I, I don't know. I, if I don't use it, then I really don't know about TMSs and, and what will fit within your organization and what you're looking to accomplish. What are your five-year goals? It becomes a very complicated shopping process, if, if nothing else, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I'll give some feedback on the TMS side just based on my background. But I think of if I go back to the, the differentiation as a, a freight broker or a freight company in any means, even if you're not a broker, is I, I think we are all consumed with being mm-hmm. different. And the reality is it's okay to be the same and no different than if you have kids and you're looking at your, your kid's school teacher or some sort of business you're buying from. I, I think there's three things that people want mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And it is okay to acknowledge this. I think it's okay to say, look, here's my, my swim lane. These are the companies I compete with. But number one is people want reliability, right? You do what you say you're going to do. And I think all, all too often, you know, people play the routing guide game or the spot game. And it's like, look, be reliable in whatever you're going to do. If you're going to be a core carrier that's hauling 100% of freight, do it. Uh, if you're going to be the backup, help in those times. So number one is uh, be reliable. Two is you have to be consistent, right? At the end of the day, I think we as 
providers, we as buyers, you name it, we all just want consistency, mm-hmm. right? And it's not just means like, hey, I'm good this week and I'm good. It's literally every single week, week in and week out, no different than if one of your children has a yeah. teacher, right? Our expectation as parents is we want consistency. Not everyone is perfect, right? We're all learning, but we want consistency. And the more highs and lows or more variations, it's just hard to manage, right? Never mind in one relationship, but if you have 50 different freight brokers or 50 different carriers amongst a few freight brokers, the inconsistency is so hard. And the third one I'd say is kind of a fluffy term, but just some level of advisory, right? And not everyone needs a therapist or a consultant, right? But like giving some sort of perspective based on what you know, and whether it's to your internal teams, your external customers, but giving some sort of advice and position of opinion and thought, I think is very helpful. And one of the phenomenal things that brokers can do is give perspective on competitors, on other industries and trends, right? Those are things that shippers will often struggle with because they're in the mode of how do I get my product from A to B, not have my customer service team yell at me and so on. But when you're in the freight brokerage world or in the freight world, this is part of why I've stayed in transportation supply chain my whole career is we get to learn every single day. And the problems that someone in pharma or paper packaging may be slightly different, but like if you can be inquisitive about that, form an opinion and share that, I think we as freight companies help our, our end customer a lot. And so those are things that I think it's really important, right? And at the end of the day, if you're not different, that's okay. But you're going to differentiate on the fact that you're reliable, you're trustworthy. And I bet if those companies did voice a customer survey about, hey, why are people staying with you? And why are people buying more? It's because you're reliable and it's because you're consistent. And that is such an important part of what people need in our I work. agree with that. I, I, I agree with 100% of that. I will throw in one more is knowing the shipper's business. And I, I maybe we, we can throw that into advisory, yeah. right? Uh, you know, siloing out, you know, picking a niche because niches are where the riches are. I, I, can't, I can't get away from that. But picking that niche, knowing how their supply chain works, how their business works, how their manufacturing works, how they how they sell to uh, if they're they're selling to retailers, right? The, the the pitfalls of selling to retailers, their direct to consumer business, knowing that the industry and how it operates, like you're an investor almost, right? Like you're an investor in that industry, uh, whether it's retail or steel or auto parts, kind of really being able to talk their language is a good way to come off as an advisor before you even start talking about transportation. Because if you understand how their business operates and uh, what they value most, right? If you're talking about auto parts, it is um, certainly just in time is, is part of that. But kind of if you're selling GM, what GM does with that and what plants that they, they make these cars in, uh, different platforms that, that they're using and, and, and kind of on down pat, well past what your, your customer does, it, it's important on that advisory and being able to uh, earn trust to, 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 you know, to, to get freight, um, to, yeah, to just to, to, to get, to, to get more opportunities, more freight, um, coming down the pipe because you're, I, I, you have some skin in the game, I guess. 
is, is what I'm trying to say. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or am I just rambling right now? Absolutely. No, I mean, I think it's, they got to, you have your to know role, your yeah. role, right? Like, are you a core provider? Are you a backup? Uh, and you've got to ask, mm-hmm. right? If, if you're, if you're not asking and being transparent with your customer, no different than a employee manager relationship or uh, father, son relationship, mother, daughter, but like, yeah. you got to know your role and don't be afraid to have those honest conversations. And if and your role is one lane, maybe a backup on three lanes, right? Hey, you get your carrier network installed there to where when when you're the backup, you go in and you execute that. And maybe that's the only role you're ever going to get. And, and maybe that's the only role you're going to get for the next three years or two years. But be reliable, be consistent, be an advisor on those lanes that, that you control right now. And don't worry so much about getting more lanes. Go out and, and get more business somewhere else. But be able to execute that. That window that window of opportunity will open at some point. You know, be aggressive with it, but you know, don't put all your eggs in that basket. Absolutely. Yeah. If I if I shift gears back yeah. to the TMS kind of comments, I think that that's a good example where I can kind of walk through is how do you buy technology as a, a freight provider using a TMS. And I think the example you gave of people just kind of reaching out saying, hey, who should I be looking at and all that is, it's common. I see it all the time. And I think many companies lead with an RFX or an RFP. And if there's a couple of things I would advise is one, never lead with an RFP, right? You're getting boilerplate answers. Uh, It doesn't allow vendors to come in and really understand what's going on. So before you even get to RFP and selection, it's what's our company strategy, what's working, what isn't, and then how do you get a cross team of people weighing in on where we And need that's to the go, most important part. Right? If you're only right? doing and that- It's getting that cross team of people yes. and understanding what you need instead of how much it costs, right? I, I think with a TMS, 100%. cost should be a very secondary. Buying what you need and what you need maybe five years from now, at least- is the most crucial thing. What it costs is, in, in, in some senses, what it costs, right? You, you worry about getting that piece nailed down before you worry about cost. Because if you can't afford what it takes to, to really do that, then you have other problems. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of it depends who mm-hmm. leads that project, right? I think from my experience is when procurement leads a project, it is all cost, cost, cost. And what happens is, you know, think about this, whether you're in the freight world or on the shipper world, how many times have you been in an RFP or an RFX where what doesn't matter what side of the table you're on, and all of a sudden there's this team of people that say, hey, I don't know what we're even yeah. doing here, right? we got this vendor. What problem are we even solving? So number one is use it as a great way to elevate your teams, drive collaboration, right? We all need more supply chain talent, and this is a way to get finance and purchasing and warehousing all involved to say, hey, our strategy is X. Here's where we're at, which is Y. Where do we need to go, right? Stack rank it, figure out these are the two or three things that we're going to focus on. And you should be doing this every year multiple times, right? So this is not just, hey, I need a TMS and go on. It's we should be doing this anywhere from two to three times a year at minimum, because maybe we're not doing a big TMS purchase, but we're going to go look at you know, new AI type technology or new warehouse automation technology, whatever it may be. So number one is that cross team collaboration is key. Second is 
bring vendors in regularly, right? This is free consulting, right? I think it's all too often companies are spending so much money in RFPs. When you think of the hours they're putting in, what they're paying consultants to do, what vendors are having to do. And at the end of the day, it's a very scripted RFP, right? Someone goes, they go find two or three other ones. They paste these spreadsheets together. The vendors know it right away. You can tell right away what, who, which vendor created it or which consultant did it. And my advice is scrap that for now, right? Yes, there is a time and a place, but paint the challenge or the scenario that you have and bring vendors in and say, look, you know, our challenge is uh, multi-stop optimization across multiple acquisitions of companies. And that's it. And let the vendor come in and be the experts and tell you what they need to do. And my advice is when you start with that challenge or business scenario, you're not necessarily testing the product. You're testing the expertise of that TMS provider to say, hey, do they understand me? Can they help design a solution that I need? And even if they're off base by 20, 30%, yeah. who cares, right? Because really what you're judging is, can they advise me now, two years from now, and so on? So I think that is the second it is. most important I mean, important because thing. no one's going to get 100% right because you probably don't even know as an LSP what is 100% right. It should be a work in progress, you know, that, that whole process. Yes. Do you think a lot of LSPs or companies in general don't, don't shop this way because they feel by doing this, that puts them at a disadvantage when it comes down to final negotiations and, and pricing, right? Because they're, they're, they're asking for help before they, they see the pricing up front. So the, the more you rely on the, the, the salesperson in, in the tech world, uh, the, the more expensive it's going to be, or at least that's the, the, the thought process. So I think it's more org related because what happens is, you know, if you think of the exec level, what will happen is, you know, there's a big problem, right? And that's the impetus to say, look, we need a TMS now. We put it off for way too long, but we're not going to do it anymore. Sometimes it's a major business problem. Oftentimes it's a new leader, right? New leader comes in, they want to make their mark. They've done the same transformation somewhere else. And so what will happen is someone will say, well, okay, fine. Purchasing is going to lead it, right? And so from the get-go, you're already saying, I need this. And I'm going to go and have my procurement team go do X. And we're going to follow our script, right? Because Procurement 101 said, I need to do an RFI with X number of vendors. I have to do an RFP. And it creates this very lengthy process that is geared toward a spreadsheet and not necessarily the delivery, but the purchase. And oftentimes, companies don't know what they actually need. And so, yes, like pricing is important, all that stuff. But I think to me, it's the org alignment of who's going to lead it and then who are the right folks and then what are the steps. And, you know, with with purchasing, procurement teams are incented to have X millions of dollars in savings every single year. So this is a great carrot for them to get involved in. And that's what drives a lot of this for many companies. And I, I would just challenge companies to think that maybe you don't even need a TMS right now, even if you already have one constantly bring vendors in, right? Here's my business challenge. What are you hearing in the market? It is the best free consulting you could ever get. It also helps the vendors, right? They get to hear from their yep. potential customers. They hear from their vertical uh, and their industry experts that are you to understand what's out there. So those are two important things. The other thing is understand what kind of TMS do you need, right? I think there, there's many different companies that are out there 
oftentimes people go to the Gartner Magic Quadrant, right? You Google 2022 Gartner Magic Quadrant TMS, and you see the likes of Blue Yonder and Oracle and SAP and others, but there's different TMSs that are out there. You have fleet TMSs, Mm -hmm. right? You've got shipper common carrier TMSs. You have ones that are stronger in the broker world, uh, ones that are stronger on the asset side. And I I think oftentimes what what goes on is people start going a thousand miles an hour down a road and they don't realize that maybe they started to enter a category with companies that isn't really right for them. And for whatever reason, I mean, I, I, have, I know why, but like sales reps aren't conditioned to advise them to say, hey, we're really not your right provider. You should go talk to X. And I think that's when I go back to that whole advisory part. It is okay to recommend a company to a different provider. And that ultimately will, will bring the call when, when they need you uh, and they trust you. But I think this is very common in technology where one, you've got one person going rogue or they're trying to make a mark. They don't necessarily engage the right people. You don't understand the core problem you're trying to solve. And all of a sudden you go start to vendor, start talking to vendors that maybe really aren't the right market fit. And you go ask questions about, hey, can you do X? And you never answer ask a binary question because the answer from every vendor is going to be, yes, we can do this. And so you've got to ask open-ended questions. You've got to kind of paint the picture and let them create the, the drawing. Otherwise, you're going to be in this world where hey, we spent a bunch of money, we spent a lot of people time on this and the results weren't there. And it's the preparation and the the early on execution that will lead to the results. And, and I think want. a lot of companies get it wrong uh, in that beginning process, which means that oftentimes they buy something that doesn't work. It takes three times longer to, to actually make the purchase, make that decision to, to, to go ahead. It leads to a longer implementation time Right, and it turns into an a complete and utter disaster because you don't get the the buying process correct to begin with, and you don't do it the right way. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it kind of reminds me, and then going to uh, the, the the Gartner Magic Quadrant and and, um, and looking at TMS providers. It's, it's twenty twenty three. It's January. I always talk about goals this time of the year and been talking uh, on a couple of different podcasts about dream customers, right? Aligning dream customers. And it's, it's, it's the problems with picking dream customers out of a hat or ones that, that have the big logos that are shiny and uh, would be cool to have. Maybe they just don't fit with what you do as a freight broker, right? So it's the same kind of thing on the other side is, is, coming out with the, the big shiny TMSs that have been around that the, the major companies use doesn't mean it's going to work well for you. You really need to, to lead to, to, to bring in a committee that is efficient and lean and to the point who will address the real problem uh, that, that you're facing right now and then go find pricing for that. Because if you can't afford pricing that solves the, the actual problem that you're, you're trying to fix, maybe that, that problem doesn't need to be fixed right now, or maybe it can't be fixed. Right. Yeah. And it's okay to ask for, you know, directional pricing up front. Yeah. I think, you know, oftentimes sales reps are conditioned as price comes mm-hmm. last and, you know, I'll never forget non-freight related, but I wanted to potentially put a stone patio in my house. Right. So I, I told this guy, Hey, this is what I want. 
He said, well, I need to come look at it. So he comes out and he looks at it. I was willing to spend maybe two or $3,000. And the guy drove 45 minutes each way. And then a couple of days later, I got a yeah. quote for $22,000. And I'm thinking, gosh, you just wasted over an hour and a half of your time just driving. And all you had to do was ask me what my budget was. And I would have told him, right? And you know, that's all of a sudden it's 10x what I was planning to spend and I wasn't ready to do it. And so those things, it's this constant tension that's out there where sales reps are trained that price comes last. They're always trained to ask the budget. Procurement never wants to give the budget. And there's a lot of time that's wasted in there. So it, it's a dance that there's never an easy answer for. Directional pricing is a great way, kind of parsing off. You know, you don't necessarily have to go to RFP to get a price. Yes, many big companies and procurement arms say, I need three quotes and all that fun stuff. Um, there are ways to do you know, smaller projects where you get pricing and you can figure that out. You can go deploy it. And, and so you know, my guidance is don't get so wrapped up in, in that game. And these companies have to be honest with each other and, and not waste time, right? We're all resource strapped and uh, we've got to be mindful we of that. We do, right? And there's a lot of... Uh, I, no, no one wants to talk about price, but price is important. Uh, price has its its its, its place in, in all deals and negotiations and and in business transactions. Uh, but it doesn't really matter if you get the cheapest. If it doesn't really fit what you need it to to do, it's going to be much more expensive on the back end. I, I think I think a lot of a lot of people, consumers, and businesses need to, to always keep that in mind is that those indirect or hidden costs, those opportunity costs uh, are killer. And when you make those mistakes, I made a ton of them, uh, opportunity costs and, and the hidden costs, uh, trying to buy things cheap. And that they always bite me in the end. Yeah. Budget yeah. for it though, right? I think all too often, a couple of things is when you're doing customer reference calls, you know, A, if your sales rep isn't telling you what you should budget for mm-hmm. change orders or, you know, excess spend, that's a red flag Two, ask other customers. And even if they're saying, hey, things went flawlessly, you know, all too often I've heard in my career where company A has been through multiple vendors, whether on the freight broker side, the 3PL side, the TMS side, you name it. And everyone says, hey, these vendors stink. And oftentimes the real answer is, well, the customer or the buyer doesn't know their problem. So they put you know, a square mm-hmm. peg in a round hole and they blame the wrong company. And so these are things that we all have to keep in mind. And uh, it's really important to the success for, for both it, companies. It is, you know, buying the right way, um, not only grows future sales because you're in the position to, to have things clicking on your operations as an LSP, um, but it also, you know, it, it reduces costs or it should do make you more efficient, right? It should be an easy Absolutely. thing that, uh, that that people can operate. Oftentimes, uh, they only use a, a fraction of, of what they buy uh, as well. And um, do you think it's more the, I, I won't say it's the company's fault or the, the check provider's fault, but uh, where, do you, where do you think the, the, the mismatch lays sometimes in, in not fully utilizing the technology that you buy? I think it's more systemic, mm-hmm. not from a physical IT, but from a just how companies buy, how the U.S. culture is in the work work world. Um, so I think it's one, it's systemic, and two, the no one wants to disappoint someone, right? And that's a part of our culture, right? And I think that is where 
it uh, it kind of bleeds in and it creates these challenges. And if you don't know what to ask for, you better have an advisor on the other side. Otherwise, you're going to be left, uh, I, I think, mm-hmm. kind of disappointed. There are plenty of good companies that can help you. There are companies that will support you in that. Um, I, I think networking and collaboration is key, right? It's go talk to other companies like you, whether you're a freight company buying a TMS um, or a shipper buying a TMS, you name it, go talk to other companies like you and get their perspective, right? You're not alone. Other companies have been down this road and you have to understand is the provider tech or service you're buying, is this the first time or is this their hundredth time? And if you don't ask those things, you know, all too often it was, you were their kind of alpha customer, but you didn't know it. And unfortunately, maybe they thought it was a cool idea and it didn't pan out, but those are things that you better be aligned on before you, you know, trust with the signature and the resources to get going. It is. Do you find it different in Europe, the mentality, or is it kind of the the same buying process from, from corporations? I think it's extremely different in Europe, depending on where you are. So if you think of the Germanic countries, Northern Europe, right? So, you know, yeah. Um, But even like the the Scandinavians are a lot more team oriented. I think when you're buying in Central Europe, uh, you know, I think of, you know, the Dutch, Germans, Austrian, Swiss. It is, I think the the inverse problem is there, which is, and I struggle this there, is that they didn't want to try any new company, right? It was, you had to match exactly my network. So it always lended to the companies like Shanker or DSV or P&O. And it, it, it kind of staled, I think, tech innovation there, right? So in the US, we, we have the opposite problem, which is like, we don't want to try the big company. We want to try all the new shiny objects because what they say, it's got to be true. So I, I think Europe is the complete inverse where they don't want to fail and it's got to be so perfect from the get-go and the provider's got to match exactly that I think it is, it is stale their innovation uh, in their acceleration. Um, but, you know, there's a happy medium in between, right? You've got to be willing to try new things. You've got to be willing to try and fail. And you've got to be able to respond from that. And, you know, it's one of those things where how comfortable with change are you, right? Everyone says they want change, but change is hard. It, it really is. Even if you're successful, it is a tough ride. It is a tough ride. No one likes status quo, but everyone's scared of change, it seems like. Um, and there's there's real reasons to do that. Uh, well, Glenn, thanks for, for dropping by here on Put That Coffee Down and sharing some of your insights on buying technology because it is, it can be a minefield. It's, it's, it's a very complicated topic. And uh, I, I think you had some really good insights on, you know, certainly on the TMS, which can be transferred to, uh, any other tech that, that you buy is, is that same process of of sitting down with vendors, um, not leading with the RFP, but leading on your needs. You know, what are your needs? Here's my price range. Here are my needs. Uh, can it even be done? And um, and you call in your your service providers, and they will let you know very quickly uh, what can be done and what can't be done. And you can start working out a, a plan because you want to get it right, right. You want to get it right, pay a little bit more maybe, but, but get it right the first time because uh, those, those hidden costs of revamping and, uh, and, and tailoring and, and, and the second, third and fourth iterations 
can be painful and much more expensive uh, than anything else. But again, thanks, Glenn. Uh, to learn more, to reach out directly to you, learn more about Four Kites. Um, how, how does our audience do that? So you can find me on LinkedIn. So uh, Glenn Kepke, it's K-O-E-P-K-E. And I'm fairly active there. Uh, or you can reach out through fourkites.com. And happy to give perspective on visibility, but also broader tech uh, or just industry feedback. So I love collaborating with folks on anything and everything going on in our market. So please reach out if I can help or if Forkites can help in any way. And Kevin, thanks again for, for having me on. And I wish everyone a phenomenal 2023. Perfect. Thank you very much, Glenn. And you can download this podcast and all the other podcasts. I think we have about 150. We're coming up on our third year uh, anniversary. Um, put that coffee down here on Freight Waves. And you can do that wherever you download your podcast. I hit that subscribe button or follow button. And also, uh, you know, give us some stars, give us a review, love uh, feedback as well. And you can reach me here. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best. I'm pretty active on there as well. Kevin Hill, put that coffee down, should bring my name up. If, if you're not already connected with me, connect uh, as soon as you can, and we will go from there. But that wraps it up for this episode of Put That Coffee Down. We'll see you on the next one.